No discounting, baby. We don't do discounts. First and foremost, it's the one thing I say always and teach is like no discounting. It's a dirty word. We don't do that because what's happening is, is you're discounting yourself. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Emily Reagan. All summer long, I've been bringing you back-to-back freelancers to talk about their journey, share their digital marketing tips for you, and give you insight to this digital world. Today, you're in for a special treat. I have former copywriter, former lawyer, and now a mindset coach and business strategist, Linda Perry, in the house. We recorded this interview a couple months ago over in my free Facebook group. You can join down below in the show notes if you're not a member yet. And oh my gosh, this interview was so good. We talked about the limiting beliefs and mindset perils we have as freelancers. I mean, we touched on everything. This is so important for you to listen to as a freelancer. You own your own business. If you're catching this episode and you want to dive a little deeper, I have another recommendation for you. I'm going to throw it out right now. Go back to previous episode number 60, Make This Mindset Shift Today to Grow Your Freelancer Business. Uh, It's very much related. And then Linda also has a podcast, which I talk about in this interview. She has a really good recommendation for an imposter syndrome where she dives a little bit deeper into that. You know, if you've ever felt like a fraud, like, ah, I'm not good enough. Like, why don't they just hire someone better than me? Oh my gosh, she talks such truths when it comes to the value you add and you bring to the table to help clients make money and build their dream business. So, oh my goodness, this one's a good one. So let's dive in right now. Hey, everyone. I think we're live now. I am so excited to have a mindset coach and a fellow freelancer here. Um, Linda Perry is also a business growth strategist. And I'm so thrilled to have you here because I was telling you earlier, we have so many mindset issues when we're starting our own business and especially providing a service. So would you say hello to everyone? Tell us a little bit about you and where you're from. Hey, everybody. Hi. Nice to be here, Emily. Thank you for having me. Um, I am Linda Perry. I am, as Emily said, a mindset coach. I'm a business strategist and I currently live in Vail, Colorado. So trying to live my best life by being somewhere that I absolutely love, but I'm a Chicago girl. If anybody out there is, you know, I'm still a Chicago girl at heart. I had an interesting journey to get to where I am. I, um, If you told me I'd end up a mindset coach when I was young, I would have been like, no, that's not what we do in my family. I had the choice (laughs) of being like a doctor or a lawyer because I had these immigrant doctor parents who basically said, you've got to pick a profession. you got to do this thing. And these are the ways you're going to be happy. So like every good girl with all of her shoulds and being an English major, not knowing what to do, I decided to go to law school. And I spent about 17 years as a federal criminal defense attorney, but Like so many of us, it wasn't my calling. It wasn't what I really wanted to do with my life. It felt always really interesting and I loved learning. But after 17 years, you finally go, 
is this it? And I had studied the work of Debbie Ford when in 2004, I went through a divorce, like a lot of people do. And I was in a bookstore when you used to go to bookstores and there was Debbie's book, picked it up off the shelf. And it was this book called Spiritual Divorce. It was the only book that she wrote on divorce. And I started following her. And when I got remarried to my husband now, I looked at him and I said, I really think I want, I'm ready for a change. So I enrolled in Debbie's programs and I became a certified coach. The thing was, is that that still didn't feel fully right because there was this whole part of me I had to reject, like the lawyer. And so I ended up going on a journey where I learned that most life coaches fail because they don't know how to market themselves. So I taught myself everything I could mm. about copywriting and marketing. And that's what I kind of did for several years as a little bit of a side venture, I guess, or really this yeah. really great combination of what I was doing as a lawyer. And then I brought back the mindset work in a way that felt truly authentic. And I think that's what we're all on this little journey to do is, is find that thing that we want to do. And so now I have gone back to fully doing mindset work, but in a way that takes the lawyer, the copywriter, the everything, brings it all together in a really powerful way for myself. And that's kind of my journey. And what I do is I really help business owners get out of their own way so they can find more success, be happier, find that freedom that they've been looking for, the reason you started to work for yourself in the first place. Oh gosh, I love that so much. You're not the first lawyer I've met former lawyer turned mindset coach. And I, I'm not surprised by that at all. I can see like somebody wanting a big shift in life, but like, how did you know you were done with that? Like, what was that moment? You know, it's like, I think like many of us, is this it is what you wake up thinking, is this all I'm doing? You know, this, this just doesn't feel right. I think if I had to go into a prison one more time, I mean, Granted, I did criminal. And I, I actually switched out of criminal into family law. And then I became a mediator, a collaborative lawyer. Like I thought to myself, maybe it's the litigation piece, but it turned out it was the whole thing. <laughs> and I think, and the whole thing in the sense of like, I'm still the person who has been listening to the trials on CNN the, the last days. I love everything about it. Like I love law school. I love Dateline. I love all that stuff. But it, I realized it wasn't where my gifts really came to together with what I wanted to do. And I was a great lawyer. It's just, I really, really dug deep and said, what is it that I want to do and how do I want to serve the world? Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I also love Dateline, but I know that that type of work, it would be hard in general. So like, I applaud you for listening to that voice yeah. And taking action on it. Cause I know so many people, I feel like in my friend world that they're not happy, but they're not changing. So that like, I commend you for that. Amazing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't because they think I've invested so much in this. Like people are like, you're throwing away your law degree. I'm like, but I'm not. No. And it, it, it's coming with me. Um, and I think people think, oh, I've invested so much. I'm going to disappoint others. Right. Like I can't possibly do that. Am I going to fail? Like all those things flood in. And it can be really hard. It took, trust me, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. It took a lot of work. Right? <laughs> I could see that too. And then of course, like doing that scary thing and starting a business from it. And what year was this when you did Debbie's program? Um, oh my gosh. I think it's got to have been 2012 at this point. Okay. 20, 2012, 2013. 
that I was maybe my second certification because I have two certifications from there. So I think it was, I think I really started the journey around 2011 and like completed it around 2013. Okay. And I like what you said. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, how you're saying mindset coaches are bad at marketing themselves. So what was the first thing and what were those steps you did to teach yourself? Oh my God. I like, it's like, seriously, we felt like lemmings, right? We were like, okay, now here's your degree. Go out and get a client. What do you mean? Get a client. Yeah. Like, and I think like coaches and people talk in this language that is so coachy that people are like, what the heck are you talking about? Right. And, and they've gone through the transformation, but they forget where they started. And so what I started to do was like, okay, I don't know. Let me go find people who know this. I remember there's a woman out there, Amber Lillystrom, who's now way more popular. I like met her when she was like day one branding, like her business. Her business was brand new. I took some of her programs. I took the copy cure from oh. Marie Forleo and Laura Belgray. Like yeah. I started to study little things. And I happened to be really lucky that my sister was a marketer <laughs> and a copywriter. And she's the one who ended up being like, you need to buy copy hackers. I'm like, well, what am I buying? Or copy school is like, what am I buying? She's like, you need to buy this. And then you need to join this and you need to do this. And um, like a good little sister, I listened, but like good for you. Uh, yeah. Well, she knew what she was talking about, but I, I just started studying anything I could get my hands on because I was like, okay, this is clearly not working. I'm frustrated. I know I have something to deliver to the world and I could really give up and just stay with the law. But I just was like, I got to keep swimming here. <laughs> you know, got to keep going. So, did you like the copywriting aspect of it coming from your lawyer background? Yeah, I loved it. One of the things that I knew that I loved as a lawyer was writing. My yeah. paper walked through into a room before I did. Um, in fact, I created something after my mom died in 2016. I created something called the suitcase exercise. And the suitcase exercise has you look at your past some of your skills, some of the things that you loved from your past and brings them into your current state in your future. And one of those things was writing. Like I, believe it or not, I loved sentencing days. I know this sounds weird, but I, I loved <laughs> sentencing days because I could put on paper my client's stories. My clients, I mean, I did a lot of white collar crime. And so my clients were actually people that made mistakes. They were real. And I got to tell their story finally in court. And I could put it on paper. And so I knew that whatever I was doing going forward had to have that piece. So writing, writing still is like, like today's email that went out to my list. I loved it. It was like one of like, I, I loved writing it. So it does have to be a piece of my life. Oh, I love that. Oh my goodness. I wouldn't have thought about that as far as telling those stories for your clients, but man, it is. And one, I'm thinking of one of my best friends, she's a lawyer and she loves writing. She loves that part. She gets to do the judge's work, <laughs> like with all of the writing. So, it's cool. Yeah. Copywriting is a different beast, but I could see where you would probably embrace that more, where I see a lot of like virtual assistants coming from my programs that they struggle with that because they don't know the formula and they don't know the framework for doing that. Like when, when it's new, it's hard. So how did you transition from that type of writing to copywriting? It actually, it's just the same in some ways, I think, because I had a formula. I mean, they literally spend two years of law school teaching you how to write. Now you got to remember I was an English major, so I've been writing forever. Mm -hmm. That was creative writing. 
No, okay, that doesn't work in legal writing. Okay, so let's break that. Okay, then you come into brand copy and in marketing copy, and it breaks all the rules. Like you know, you have you have fragments, you have apostrophes, you have all these things that you have to start to use. And it took me a while. I would have to reread everything I wrote and be like, okay, this isn't an essay. This I'm not trying to prove anything. I don't have to follow this crazy strict formula. And it, it took a long time to break it, you know? And it's yeah. at first you're like, I'm like, oh, God, you know, even I would be like, oh my God, does this suck? Right. You know, and even though I've been writing forever, I'm like, you know, the head trash starts. Yeah. Oh, because I see that with me all the time, Linda. And I have an extensive writing background as well. But then it comes to like copywriting and I find myself like second guessing things all the time. And especially bringing in the type of work we do where we're serving our clients and we're like providing them that copy and feeling like good about what we stand behind. I mean, it's part of the the nature of the beast in the territory with what we do, but that's, um, that's hard. So what would you say to somebody who's struggling with that? So I think that's such a great point because unlike, you know, unlike legal writing where, you know, the ultimate, I wasn't really, it's not me that's on the line because it was a, my writing that was on the lines. It's a formula and it has based on case law. And as long as I got that crap in it, it was great. Yeah. But <laughs> when you're doing copywriting, you're so vulnerable because it's your product. It's your writing. It's your brain power, if you will. Mm -hmm. Even this morning, as much as I love my email this morning, I'm like, oh, that sentence could have been really totally different and changed. And I'm like, wow, that was totally stream of thought. I should have gone over it again. That's what we start to do. And it's recognizing that we really need to start to trust that we have a product, that we have a formula, that we have a framework that we're following. And that it's not about somebody liking our copy. It's, yeah. is it effective? Yes. Um, Joel Kletke actually taught me some of this was like, who cares if the client likes it? The question becomes, is it producing what it's supposed to? And when you do that, you can take yourself out a little bit of it and say, okay, my only job truly is to get an ROI here, to get some movement here, to get some action, not perfection. Oh, so. so good. Yeah. And taking out a little bit of that like personal attachment to it, to think about that ROI. Like I know it is very vulnerable to share what you've done and be open to critique. And I think that you can look at it as a collaborative approach. Like I know when I am working with a client and working with them, I can kind of leave some of that like personal, I don't know, insult <laughs> that I might like take with, with their feedback, but that can be really hard, really, really yeah. hard. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and it's always really being willing to continue to learn. Look, yes. you're going to make mistakes, but every mistake is an opportunity. It's yeah. an opportunity to learn something new and go, okay, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Let me reflect back and go, oh, that's interesting. As opposed to I am bad. Because we always go to the I am bad. And right. Shame, shame doesn't change anything. But to, oh, that's so fascinating how I put that there. Maybe if I'd switch this, I could, let me test that. Everything then becomes an experiment, an interesting game, something fun to play with so that you're moving forward. Especially in the online space, because what works for somebody might not work for you, might not work for your clients. And so I 
I say this a lot to my students, but just like remind them that you're testing as long as you're paying attention and getting clearer and getting answers like that is getting toward your, you know, main end result there. So I just had a Facebook ad totally bomb. This was not my personal one about the hippopotamus that I posted um, last (laughs) week, but it was a Star Wars ad for a client and like everything was great, but it just, it just bombed. And so I'm like trying to like peel lessons from that. I'm like, I think that would have just made a better, I think it would have just made a better, like more engaging social media post, less of an ad, but it kind of like hurt a little bit, but I, I'm proud of myself because nowhere in there did I think it was a reflection of me because like, I know it was good and I know the video was good and everything, but sometimes when we're new and we're starting out, we don't always like take it that way. We start having that head trash. So how, like, what advice would you have for somebody who's just getting started who might not have that confidence from past experience and past work to lean on? Like, how do they get through that head trash? Yeah, I think I love that you ask it that way because people used to look at me and go, well, you had a lawyer, you ha- you were a lawyer, you have that to fall on. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I, I, I get that. I really do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was doing something completely different, right? I didn't have laurels to rest on of 17 years of something. But yeah. here's what I'm going to tell you is, is it's completely natural to second guess yourself. What I want you to remember is, is that that head trash is going to be there. The fears are going to be there. The doubts are going to be there. Those limiting beliefs, I can't, I am not this, are going to be there. Your challenge is to not act from that space. There are ways to shift your limiting beliefs. And I I encourage everybody to continue to always work on those. Listen for the absolutes, the I am's, the I can'ts, all of that. And when it comes to fears, though, it's really interesting. We act from our fears. I have to take that client because I need the money. If you do that early on, which you will do that early on, we all do that early on. I did that early on. Say, and I must learn if this was the right client or not. And if not, I have to vow not to take that client again. The truth is, is we stay in these cycles because you may be new now, but this pattern starts today. And if you're taking clients that aren't your fit, you're going to continue to do that. And you're going to be angry and you're going to be upset and you're going to be resentful and you're going to hate your clients and you're going to feel boundaryless and you're going to be all exhausted so fast that you're going to wonder, why did I do this in the first place? You become that mean boss that you worked for. And so I encourage you to really start to separate. Like there's the Viktor Frankl quote that I always talk about that is between stimulus and response is, um, I butcher it always, but is, is where your power lies. Essentially it's between stimulus and response where your choice is, And it's in that choice that is your power. We choose from fear. We choose from our doubts. We choose from our lowest selves. One of the reasons I talk so much about having a vision is having a vision for where you're going, your business. And I'm not talking just monetarily is, is it's so critical. So that that space between the stimulus and response widens so that you have that opportunity to say, is this aligned with my vision or is this aligned with my fears? Because if it's aligned with my fears, I'm running away from my vision and I am not going to be happy. I'm going to be overworked. I'm going to be wondering why does this client suck? Why does this work suck? Where's the freedom I wanted? So that's really probably one of the strongest pieces of advice I can give somebody starting out. That was so good. And I know so many people are 
thinking like, hell yeah, because we think starting out, it's going to be one way. And we very quickly, like you said, start that pattern and then wonder why we hate it or wonder why we're tired. And we're questioning if, is this the business we want to build? And I love that tip you gave about questioning your alignment and then also learning from it, like that client and what went wrong and what went right is going to give you so much insight to your freelancer business and like where you're going. And sometimes we don't know until we're in that situation, but I think like recognizing it and learning from it is like the key not to repeat the pattern. Cause I am just as guilty. Like of everything we're talking about here, Linda, like I have been through the hard way yep. and I still kind of struggle with some of those patterns, like wanting to say yes, you know, not always having boundaries. Like I think a lot of that might come with the, the nature of this type of um, business that we do in general, being a service yeah. provider. Yeah. It's that people pleasing. You got to keep your people pleaser in check, right? Yes. And, and, you know, and I, I do want to sort of add this little thing, like, cause some people are probably listening going, I don't know my vision. How do I anchor myself if I don't have a vision? Mm-hmm. You know, you do have your vision inside you and just let it unfold. Even if you're sitting here going, okay, I don't, but I maybe know that I don't want to work with clients who call me all weekend. Start there. Yeah. Right. And I know my people pleaser thinks I should respond to that, but I have to be really clear. There are no copywriting emergencies. There are no real like marketing emergencies. There are no like you're responsible for the people you're working for emergencies. They are. And so that's something to be really mindful of as you check your people pleaser, as you check your fears, as you check what kind of business am I building in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. I was just flashing back to the work <laughs> as a virtual assistant in general, getting started And I have had those tech problems where it did become an emergency, like the website's down and I had to handle it. But I think once you've experienced the like worst case scenario, like the launch, the launch going wrong and the host has reached its number of page views and like shuts down or something. I've been there. Copywriting is not an emergency. Like you said, like anything that would have had a deadline and and plenty of time to work on it. It's like draw that line in the sand, like early on, because you'll just enable your clients like for the rest of that relationship to turn it into an emergency. (laughs) Well, and that's, you know, maybe this is my own policy, but anybody who works for me, if it goes down on a weekend, not much that can happen. I mean, I have to live with that or fix it myself because the truth is it's my business, not theirs. They deserve their weekends. I, unless there's yeah. something that's been agreed upon ahead of time. Yeah. That's just how it is. Hey, let me just interrupt for a second and invite you to the How to Work on the Line Masterclass. I am teaching the five areas online business owners need to hire out right now. This is a free training. Just pick your day and time and attend and watch it when you get a chance. It's about an hour long. We're going to cover online business industry lingo, buzzwords, and the behind the scenes job positions you could be doing. We're also covering what you need to know to get hired online and stand out above the competition. Head over to emilyreaganpr.com, link is in the show notes, to sign up right now and get your learning on and you're going to gain clarity and have your eyes open to the remote work possibilities. I'll see you there. Once again, emilyreaganpr.com slash masterclass. All right, back to the show. Yeah, I can think of like 
clients like trying to do that on vacations, especially I'm thinking like early on when I was like that general VA doing a lot of work and I never did like EA, you know, our personal admin work, but still just really being clear and communicating. Like I will be in Hawaii. I will be at my brother's wedding. And if your social media is not done, it's not done. You can, you can step in and you can do that. Yeah. You know, my, um, my VA that handles my podcasts had warned me weeks ahead. She said, you know, I do this thing every year, you know about it and I'm going to do it this year. And I'm going to be gone from April 1st to the 19th. And I went, okay, let's get everything done ahead of time. And we did. The only thing that I would send her was an email saying, Hey, read this when you're back. And I, I think, you know, the reason that I'm able to do that too, is, is I've gotten my mindset ahead of how am I not overwhelmed? Because if I'm overwhelmed in my business, then I'm impacting everybody else. So I've learned this year's my first year of not a day of overwhelm. So we're at April (laughs) 20th today and I'm still, you know, ticking strong on not a, not a day of overwhelm. What do we do if we have those clients who besides like stay away, (laughs) who are like that? Like I I'm thinking of somebody in particular, everything becomes a crisis and I just can't deal with that energy. Okay. Side note, I'm not working with her, but I'm thinking about like the person who will like what you just not take on those clients or just get out as soon as possible? Is there any way to help them change? You know, being really <laughs> clear about your own boundaries in your business is the, is the key. I think coming in saying, this is how I work yes. and reinforcing it over and over <laughs> and over. If you're willing to work with that person, because they're yeah. either going to get it or say, I can't work with you themselves. Because they maybe need the person who has no boundaries, who's willing to be the 24-7 available (laughs) person. And, you know, guaranteed they're going to run through people. And at some point they're going to have to wake up and be like, why am I running through so many people? Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe, maybe they have enough insight and maybe they don't. But I would personally run from that. If people aren't willing to follow your boundaries, somebody else will. Yeah, that is good. That is such a heavy, a heavy, like we need that reminder every day, especially when we're new, especially in this like freelance world. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, so there's a couple like mindset things we all run into. What about that feeling of, and I think it goes back to people pleasing, but feeling like you have to just like overgive and over deliver. Do you have any like words of wisdom for the person who just thinks they have to like, just bring it all, all the time? Yeah. I have a couple things that we can talk about here. One, recognize that's a self-worth issue. We are looking to collect stars and validate ourselves outside of ourselves, right? The more we can prove to somebody that we're so good and that we're so giving, the more they're going to love us and the more we're going to feel good about ourselves. doesn't work that way because even if you overgive and something goes wrong, they're not going to be happy and you're going to start to feel like crap about yourself. And so one of the things I tell people is, is recognize number one, you don't have to do anything to be worthy. Know your own value in what you're giving. In other words, what you're giving has value to somebody, not not just because you've created some framework or not just because you've spent years prepping and studying for this, because you probably have, but really you're doing something they can't do or don't want to do. And so you're actually providing value. That's it. There is an exchange there. Make it about the business of it. And so recognize that instead of collecting gold stars, what you may want to work on instead is, is how can I embrace and accept this, that I don't have to do anything to be of value. I don't have to 
justify the amount of space I take up in this world. That takes a lot of work, by the way. People struggle with this one tremendously. So I'm not saying, oh yeah, you can just flip that switch and it's great. But the more you do self-validating things like self-care, blocking off time for yourself, working on your own business, setting boundaries, your self-worth starts to grow. The other piece of this is stop taking responsibility for stuff that's not your own. We get something out of taking responsibility for others' stuff, but we are enabling them or disempowering them. In other words, we are taking on stuff. I got to tell you a story of what I used to do. When I first started out as a copywriter for coaches, they're not tech savvy. And I was like, let me set up your MailChimp for you. What the actual F, right? Like that I had no business doing it, but I was setting up their MailChimp. It wasn't part of the contract, but I was doing it for them. And what I did was disempower them from building their own business and learning the things I learned in my own business. And so what was I getting out of it? Well, I was getting out of it being the savior. It was so about me. And it, it's, it's harmful though, because then you start to resent it. So recognize where you're taking too much responsibility for stuff that's not yours and tell yourself, oh, I'm really avoiding looking at the state of my own business, or I'm trying to get my self-worth met. And so really paying attention to that can be huge. Oh my God, that is so good. And I love your personal story of doing that. I think we've all fallen into that, especially in general, the scope creep that comes up whenever you open up anyone's back end of their website. You know, there's oh. always there's always stuff. And that can be like a separate add-on, a separate conversation, a separate like line in the in the invoice to add on. But yeah, MailChimp. You had me at MailChimp, Linda. <laughs> I know. That's, okay, that story. The other one I wanted to talk to you about very briefly, and I do want to say Linda has an amazing podcast. It's called Mindset First, where she addresses all of these issues like in depth. So if I know so many of you are going to catch this and be like, yes, I need more on that. I need more on that. She's just skimming the surface here. Please go check out her podcast. It is amazing. And it's so good for all of us freelancers because we run into this daily with our clients. And like she said, it takes that work. It's not like a one and done, like you just flip the switch. So okay. and Emily, Emily's an upcoming guest on it. So oh yeah. Just that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. The other one I wanted to talk to you about is a feeling like a fraud. Like when are they going to figure out I am not the best person to be? I don't know. I'm thinking of myself like building this funnel or writing the copy or designing the ad. Like when are they going to figure out I'm a fraud? How do yeah. you address that? Oh, imposter complex. Like it's really that feeling of they're going to find out, you know, I, um, spent 17 years in law feeling that way. I kept wondering when they were going to figure out that I was just bluffing and that I really sucked at what I did. In fact, I stayed in a law firm for 14 years because I was so afraid if I left, someone would find out I was full of shit. No way. So yeah, that's how deep it can bury itself. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, our limiting beliefs drive the imposter complex and we have to really, it's really often rooted in I'm not enough. Yeah. And again, I think it's really something that isn't there to punish us, but it's there for us to recognize we're about to step into some different comfort zone. Usually when imposter complex, I will tell you imposter complex of all the things feels the most unpredictable than everything else. Like I can tell you when your fears are going to come up. I can tell you when all of those things, imposter complex, you'll be sitting there one day feeling really good. And the next bam done. And you're like, where did that come from? 
But odds are you did something to start to bring yourself down. You were comparing yourself. You were on Facebook looking at somebody else. You were looking at the competition. Or you're entering into new territory. Maybe you have a client that's a little bit of a stretch. And so you're starting to feel uncomfortable. Maybe you're doing something new. Starts to come up there. The thing is, is most of our beliefs drive it. And I do have a really good podcast on the imposter complex. So I do encourage people to listen to this one. Okay. We have a bunch of different drivers. There's six different like drivers for it. But the truth is, is that what drives each one of our own imposter complex issues is really based on our beliefs, the way we've sort of showed up. Like my son is one of these people who things came super easy for him. Like he's so freaking smart. He's 19 now. Things came super easy, but all of a sudden, if he was in a place that he was doing something that he didn't know how to do, he froze. And he felt like I'm a fraud. He, he literally, every school year, we would start this and go, he would start, I'm stupid. I know nothing because it would, and we would do this every year. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. And it was literally his belief of things should come easy to me. And so imposter complex would come up. We actually made him do football because it was in high school, because it was something completely different. And he ended up becoming this little football star, but like we made him learn that you can tackle something new and not consistently feel like a fraud, that even if the fraud thing is there, it's just a sign that you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, that you are like Nemo, you are going past the reef and you are just ready to start for something new. Yeah. Oh, that is so good to recognize because that's going to come up all the time in business. Every every client's slightly different. Like the tech is changing. Uh, And I didn't really think of it related to, I just read that book about growth mindset. So it's really Mm. like on my mind. But yeah, I think about those examples in that book about people um, never having to work hard for it. So then it like kind of messed them up later more for like lack of better word. I'm like, yeah, I see that. So I know I, I always joke with my sister. It's great that I was labeled the stupid one because I got to try and do things. Right. Whereas I'm much more willing to put myself out there than she is because she was, you know, she had this standard of, I have to be perfect. And so imposter complex will come up if you are anything less than short. Same thing though, you know, I was plagued with stupid, but stupid will chase you and be like, yeah, they're going to actually find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And I could see that with the new school year being like his fear, like, oh, now they're going to figure it out. Like this teacher just liked me or I've caught myself thinking like that, especially like in college, if you made a first good impression and then the teachers kind of were like, all right, she's fine. Let her slide. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. The last one I want to ask you about is the, especially the new VA graduating from my course who has all of the skills already is like eons ahead of any kind of admin VA out there. And yet she finds herself wanting to discount and, you know, price herself less than, and what would you say to somebody like that? Like how to get out of that kind of head trash? No discounting, baby. We don't do discounts. First and foremost, it's the one thing I say always and teach is like no discounting. It's a dirty word. We don't do that because what's happening is, is you're discounting yourself. Yeah. Right. Like think about it. You're not a commodity first and foremost. Uh, You're not a product that goes on sale. So this is my like little mom, like moment of teaching this thing saying, I love it. (laughs) You are not a commodity. Do not put yourself on sale you're teaching people how to treat you in the end. But when it comes to pricing, 
I want people to think about it, newbies to think about this. Think about everything you just invested in yourself. Think about all the hours, the time, the money you were just willing to invest so that you can make somebody else's life exponentially better, their business flow. Stop thinking about the fact that you're new. Think about how much value you're going to add. Think about how much you're actually going to help this person who needs to be spending time on some other aspect of their business to make more money, how you are going to be supporting them. And then value yourself from there. Not because you're new, not because of anything like that. I always, you know, like Amy Porterfield used to talk about just own expert. No, actually own the value you're giving somebody from day one. Yes. And you're not going to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes. Okay, great. And you're also saving someone like me a ton of times. I can actually go do the thing that makes me money. Yeah. I love that. I love concentrating on the value you're serving and it's priceless as a business owner to be able to say, you're going to handle this. I don't have to think about this. You're going to take care of it. And if you can't can't do it, you're still going to figure it out or find somebody or like get a solution. Like that so much value. That's worth it. Like to take it out of my head and put it on someone else's shoulders, like lightens my load. Like I pay money for that. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, somebody, one of my, my VAs is hopefully listening today in your group. And she, this morning where sent me a reminder of, Hey, you need to put this in link tree. And Oh, by the way, it was either me or you that needs to put it, but you had a note in there. And I totally forgot. Like that's life-saving to me. I know that sounds silly, but it's life-saving because that launch is going out in two days and I need it in there. And so that's just important. And remember that that may seem like a teeny tiny thing to somebody. It's actually pretty giant. Yeah. I'm so maxed out right now, Linda, just to have my teammate be like, remember, you need to go look at this, look at this sales page. Like, you know, your podcast went live today. Don't forget to promote it or follow, follow up with this person. And it doesn't, it seems like remedial sometimes, but it's not so valuable. So I would love for you to tell everyone about your book that we have. And I put a link to it here in the description, Being Unstoppable. Tell us. So Unstoppable came from essentially, you know, I I do a lot of um, strategic growth training as well for business owners. And there are four sort of key areas for scaling. And the one thing that I see that prevents everybody from even getting to those four areas is really of execution. People can't seem to execute. They either get stuck. They either are like, I don't know what to do, or I have too much to do, or I'm following everything everybody tells me to do, and it's still not working. So I wrote a book, Unstoppable, to really help people understand what execution means and how do you start to execute in a way that's authentic to you because we're so busy following the playbook that everybody tells us, oh, you should be doing this for your business. You have to be doing this. And so we do nothing. And so... Unstoppable is about breaking free from your own head trash so you can start to create momentum in your business. And so I created this book. It's an ebook. It's a mini book. It's not like the longest thing in the world. And hopefully it's the start of a bigger book, but it's uh, a free book that I wrote for people to get a copy of and really start to build some momentum in their business. Oh, I love that so much. Can you talk to everyone about this? Like, you know, you talk about this in your podcast, but could you share it here? Like this, who is this growth set entrepreneur and like what happens at that next level so they can yeah. see why mindset now is so critical? Yeah. So the idea of mindset first came centrally from, we have to put mindset before everything else, before strategy, before all of it, because 
fact is, is it's a trap and we're going to get caught in it. There are four stages of business growth. We've got the fledgling freelancer, which is sort of that person who's starting out going, I will take what I can get. That head trash there is a lot about being new, unsure, taking whatever they can get. The emerging business owner starts to understand their business, but they start to have those little feelings of fraud. They start to have feelings of, am I good enough? Um, I still have to take all the work that comes. The growth stage entrepreneurs is a bit of a sweet spot for me because it is that business owner that's been in business for a while. They trust that they're going to continue to get business. They still fear it, but they trust that that they've established something. But they're seeing that their head trash is really the thing that's standing in the way between here and the next level. And the ideal place that we want to be is the intentional entrepreneur, where we have a work-life balance, which, believe it or not, is possible, where we are walking our walk, where we still experience fear, but we know what to do with it. And so the intentional entrepreneur is the ideal that we'd like to get to, and it is achievable. We were on a group call, planning call yesterday in one of the masterminds I'm in, and they're like, none of them had achieved work-life balance. And I said, except Linda, Linda's about as close as you can get right now. And I'm like, yes, yes, because that takes a lot of work to get there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really about owning your business instead of it owning you. Yeah, so good. And I'm going to tell you, maybe this is overshare, but I was feeling it yesterday. I'm like, Monday morning, back in the saddle, I was having a hard time turning my brain back on because we had had a weekend away without the kids. Yes. And I just had this like little voice inside me and I'm going to listen to her. But she was like, what, like you just lost control. (laughs) You lost control of your business and it's running you. And that was my Monday. I like boxered my teammate about it. I was like, this cannot happen anymore. Like I need to pull out more stuff basically, but it's so critical. And I see it all the time. A lot of my peers are in this place too. And they just feel like if they just like put their head down and just like, keep, keep running up the hill, they can like fight it. And it doesn't, Like, I just see so many people getting burnout like that. And like you said, not getting through to that next level. So they're not like dealing with it. True. So I love how you uh, share those different stages. I think everyone here can relate. And I think everyone here sees, is very clear why I wanted you to come in here and talk to this community of freelancers. Like, I think you're so much help. I am going to link to the podcast about imposter syndrome. I know I've plugged your podcast, but I really think this is a good place for all of you to go back and get some help Mm -hmm. with what you're struggling with. I know Linda shared those different levels, but you all have something unique going inside your head with what your struggles are, your limiting beliefs. And Linda's podcast is really good for working through that. So yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much. If you guys are catching this on the replay, feel free to ask any questions later and we'll pop in here and answer them. And I would love to hear from you. And Linda, any parting words of wisdom for our virtual assistants and unicorn VAs? Yeah, I love the unicorn VAs. I love that term. (laughs) A, first of all, you ask the best questions. So I loved being here. You are so good at this. So, so fun. Um, The parting words of wisdom of have a little grace with yourself. That word is is something to just remember, have grace. This isn't about really being perfect. It's about taking everything and thinking it's a lesson. There's no such thing as failure. There is no such thing as mistakes. There's only opportunities. And so I kind of leave it that way and and hope they, they really shift their mindset to think that way. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I hope all of you run with that because every single task, every single client is an opportunity to learn and get clarity and get like, what did you say? Opportunity. It's an opportunity. So yeah. I right, thank yeah. you. Linda. We'll chat later. 
Thank you. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this interview with Linda Perry. I just love her. I love her voice. I love all of her words of wisdom. And there is more where that came from. Down in the show notes, you can connect with her over on Instagram, subscribe to her podcast, listen to that episode about imposter syndrome that I linked before, and really, really embrace this. I love that she has said that this is just something we're constantly working on. Imposter syndrome can creep up at any point. And my favorite of all was never, never discounting. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. I don't even do discounts when I get referrals because time is precious. You can't just add time out of nowhere. But there are ways to thank people without discounting yourself. Okay, friends, next week we are talking to a handmaker business owner. Lucy Kelly is going to give you insights into working with the creatives online and why they need VAs. This is going to open your eyes to A, working with a fun industry and fun creatives. I mean, I just love that kind of work, especially after, you know, doing public affairs for the Air Force. But um, handmakers, designers, furniture painters, all of, all of those creative entrepreneurs are looking to hire. And Lucy has a lot to teach you about how you can help. And she's also my pro Shopify expert that I talk to a lot about working with Shopify. So really Make sure you come join us next week. It's going to be a good episode. Until then, I'd love a review. I'd love a shout out. I'd love to hear if this podcast is helpful to you and what you'd like to hear more of. And if you've got a little time, I encourage you to sign up for my masterclass, How to Work Online, to figure out your entry point to working with online business owners and making money while working from home. I'll see you next week. ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become a unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Hey, 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 everyone. Back. Oops. So I really want you to listen in on... Oops. I should have just taken a breath right there. Um, I wish I just took more breaths. I'm sorry.